Romans chapter 12. Are you, you, you ready? Did you find it? It's on page 735. In somebody's Bible, maybe. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, the New King James Version says, I beseech you. Some translations say, I beg you. I beg you. I'm begging you. Paul is writing to the church and he's saying, I'm begging you, brethren, people, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's purpose in presenting yourself. There's purpose. The purpose is so that we can prove the will of God. God wants us to present ourselves. He's not going to make you present yourself. It's up to you. You present your body. And a lot of translations say, present your life. Present yourselves, all of yourself. Because logically, God is not asking that we present our bodies to him and then we uh, retain control of our mind and control of our spirit. You know, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. We're a three-part being. And the Bible is very clear about that. Say that with me. In fact, say that with me. Say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. That's just what the Bible teaches, right? We're a three-part being. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That trinity. So we're a three-part being. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And so God is asking us here in this verse to present ourself. That is exactly what we were singing. I surrender all. I surrender. I give all of myself to you so that I can prove your will is perfect and it's good and it's acceptable. Right? So today we're, we're looking at our bodies. I mean, we're examining our commitment, our consecration, our dedication, our surrender to God from the position of our bodies. It's an act of worship. Guys, it's an act of worship that is based and must be based on a belief that Jesus is your Lord. You're not going to submit to someone that, that you uh, are not trusting. So, again, submitting ourselves requires trust. Husbands and wives, before they walk down the aisle, before they spend all the money, before they invite all of their friends... They are submitting to one another in holy matrimony. And then they're submitting to God and, and using a representative of God to pronounce God's blessing upon them. There's a submission there. Do you guys understand that word submission? It is I trust you, therefore I submit to you. And when we say that to God, we trust him, therefore I submit to you. Right? And so when we submit to God, we submit everything to him. Everything. Spirit, soul, and body. And so for the past five, six weeks, we've been talking about what it means to put God first in our life. What it means to, to submit our time to Him. Putting God first in our time. What it means to submit to God with, with our talent. 
Our talents that he gave us, are they submitted to God? Our treasure, is it submitted to God? And now today, are, are we totally submitted to God? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, that has been our key scripture. Seeking first the kingdom of God. We want to seek his kingdom before we seek our own kingdom, right? A lot of people today are building their own kingdoms, but we need to be seeking first the kingdom of God and building his kingdom so that he will take care of us, right? He will provide for us. He, he will take responsibility for us if we seek his kingdom first. And really, this is the key to victory in this temple area of our life, in this body, in this area of our bodies. I'll just, I'll just kind of jump to the bottom line. There's a lot of people, even in this room, there, there may be people, I won't say a lot because I don't know, but there, there are people that deal with addictions. And you could be addicted to sugar. That's me. But I did kick the habit back in January. I said, no more sugar in this mouth and no sugar. Now, you have to be really careful because everything you find to eat has some kind of a sugar, has, has some kind of sugar in it. So I think I, I ate about 100 cans of lentil soup. I bought stock in Progresso. Just lentil soup. Lentils are really good for you, right? They, they've got a lot of iron, a lot of, lot of uh, good protein, good stuff. And so I, I denied my body on this fast sugar, among some other things. But uh, we, we, we can all admit that we're addicted to things, and, and our body gets addicted to them, right? So this is extremely important that we understand how this, how this works. Uh, look at Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. They're going to put it up here on the screen. Uh, you have it there in your notes, so take it home and study it. Romans seventeen fifteen or 7, 15 through 25. This is Paul writing again. He says, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. Have you ever been there? You're doing something, you don't understand why you're doing it, but you're doing it. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, Nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not do, that I practice. Sounds confused, right? <laughs> he sounds confused. And sometimes that's the way we feel, guys, especially in the area of our body. You know, there's struggles. There's struggles. We all struggle. That's what he's saying here. He says... Um, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to, to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members or in my body, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Again, my body. Oh, wretched man that I am. So he, at the very bottom, he says, ah, oh, I just can't take this anymore. I'm a wretched man. And then look at what he says. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, thank God, through Jesus Christ. So he turns his hopelessness to hope. 
there's hope that Jesus understands my struggle and that he can help me in this to where I have victory over sin in my body. Now, I know that's huge, and people don't believe. Well, you know, how do we, how, how do we uh, have victory over sin in our bodies? How can we have victory over sin in our bodies? We just, we just do what we're supposed to do, and we just do what we feel. And listen, that is society. Do what feels good. Do what feels good. But you know what, where that takes you? To death. Because when you sow, and we're going to get to a scripture here in a minute, when you sow to your body, you reap death. And that's not my word, that's God's word. So, the struggle with the flesh is real. You can write that down. When you struggle with the flesh, it is real. And Paul was trying to understand that struggle in this passage. He's trying to understand that struggle, but then he's also trying to understand how to win that struggle against the flesh. So I'm going to give you four principles. You see them on your notes today. Four principles on how to apply the principle of first temple. Number one, the first, the first principle is understand the gift of righteousness. Guys, we have to understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That he made us and he made us his righteousness when we decided to follow Jesus. There's, there's two things about righteousness that you need to understand. There's right standing, and then there's right living. The right standing happens, and let me just, I'll define right standing. The right standing is the ability to stand in God's presence without a sense of condemnation, inferiority, or rejection. It is a position before God that allows free access to God's grace in your life. Now, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and we say, I surrender all, Jesus, I know that you're the Son of God, and at this very moment, I'm making you my Lord. I surrender all. At that very moment, and that happened to me when I was 11 years old, I'll never forget the longest day of my life. It was a supernatural experience as as an 11-year-old kid. I'll never forget it. It changed my life as an 11-year-old kid. At that very moment, I was made the righteousness of God in Christ. I could never be more righteous than at that moment. Why? Because he made me righteous. I didn't make myself righteous. I was in right standing with God. But what that righteousness provides is the power and the grace to live righteously. So there's right standing and then there's right living. And God wants us to see that through his righteousness... We have the ability, the power, the strength to live righteous. Look at Romans 3.21. Romans 3.21. This is the New Living Translation. It says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you're made right with God. By placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. (laughs) For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. 
He did this through Christ when he freed us from the penalty from our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Aren't you glad for that scripture? Wow. I mean, and, and as you can see from your notes, I've got a lot of scripture, so I've got to do less talking and more reading of the scripture. I mean, to this morning specifically, and what I'm bringing out this morning, the Bible just preaches for itself. And, and in case you haven't noticed, we are a church that believes the Bible. I don't have to stand up here and tell you my opinion. I just point you to the word that says, listen, guys, here, here's the bottom line. I'm going to give you the bottom line, and then I'm going to go back up and give you the points to the message. Because we've been made the righteousness of God and because he loves us so much and he wants to empower us with his grace, every time we say no to the flesh, we can say yes to the Spirit or vice versa. When we say yes to the Spirit, we can say no to the flesh. When we say yes to the Spirit, we can say no to the flesh. If there's anything that you need to take away from today, is that phrase. So let's say it all together. When I say no to the flesh, or, oh, wait, hold, hold it, hold it. You correct me now. When I say yes to the Spirit, say it again. When I say yes to the Spirit, I can say no to the flesh. So let's say it again. When I say yes to the Spirit, I can say no to the flesh. See, I have the ability to say no when I've said yes. But it's, it's who I'm saying yes to. When I say yes to Jesus, he gives me the power to say no to sin. Right? Do you believe that? I'm, I'm living proof of it. So uh, whether, you, whether you can imagine this or not, I used to, I used to disco in the... In <laughs> now, I can't, I can't do any of the steps that I used to do. But... I used to dress up like Michael Jackson. Now, I wasn't Michael Jackson. I tried to do the moonwalk like Michael Jackson. I, I never could do it, and I'm glad the lights were really low. <laughs> but I felt, you know, after a few drinks, like I could, I could be Michael Jackson, except for the color, except for the color. But, so one day, I did the disco scene down in, the, down in Buckhead, back when the limelight, some of you old-timers will know, back... The limelight was going in, in, in Buckhead. And I found myself one day, I was, the girl, this girl crushed my heart. I said, that's it. I, I don't care if I ever get married. Because I, I thought, you know, in my premature, uh, my immature mind that I was going to marry this particular woman. And uh, she dumped me for another guy. And I was like, on the rocks. I was like, forget this. And I was driving down the road. Now, I was born again when I was 11 years old. You remember that, right? So I had the Spirit of God on the inside of me. He was dealing with me the whole time I was acting in the bars. I was clubbing before clubbing was cool. (laughs) And so I'm driving down the road, and I'm smoking a cigarette. K-12 
Can you imagine? Pastor Bruce smoking a cigarette. I had a 72 Toyota Celica. Anybody have a 72 Toyota Celica? Nobody will admit that. (laughs) So I'm smoking, going down the road smoking. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, the Spirit of God on the inside of me said, what are you doing? And then I asked myself, what am I doing? (laughs) I mean, because I was a child of God. I was made righteous at 11 years old. So when I decided to quit that smoking, it was like, this is crazy. I threw that cigarette out of there, and I kept the pack of cigarettes right above the visor. And, and to, to a degree, to a degree, I know there's different degrees of addiction, right? But to a degree, I was addicted to nicotine, and I was smoking. I reached up, got that pack of cigarettes, threw it out of there. And I tell you, from that day to this day, I have never touched another cigarette. In fact... You know, it, but listen, it's not, it's not my power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. But you see, I had to make a decision. I had to make the decision. I have to present my body a living sacrifice to God. He's not going to make you present your body. The minute you say yes to the Spirit, you have the power and the ability to say no to the flesh. It's that easy. Now, there's a whole bunch of scriptures on your, on your notes that will take you there. But that's the bottom line. If you, if you don't remember anything else from today, please just remember how, how powerful that simple gospel is. And don't fill your mind with images of Pastor Bruce dancing and, <laughs> and smoking. Listen, I am transformed. <laughs> and I'd rather be dancing before the Lord... <laughs> Then dancing, trying to impress anybody. Plus, you're too old. When you get too old, you, you just kind of just move a little bit like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Romans chapter 4 and verse 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Look at this. This is the New Living Translation. It says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Their faith in God forgives their sins, right? And makes them righteous. And we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. You're not, if you're born again and you say, have said yes to Jesus and Jesus, you're my Lord and I surrender, you are as righteous as you will ever be right now. You have the power to say no to any sin, any sin. No matter if you're addicted to pornography, no matter if you're addicted to alcohol, no matter if you're addicted to drugs, prescription drugs, uh, illegal drugs, whatever drugs. You can say no, and God will give you the power to resist. In fact, the Bible says when you resist the enemy, he flees from you. Our problem is we want to throw one cigarette out and keep the pack above the visor. I'll, I'll try this. Lord, I'll try this. Try, try never does anything. Try, try, you'll go right back in the pit. You've got to be resolute. Where you, get, where, where you get that strength to be resolute is from the power of the Holy Spirit. It's from God's grace. It's all about His grace and nothing about your works. Look at Romans 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation. 
It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Past tense. What he's, what he's done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to the sharing of God's glory. Again, it is undeserved. You don't deserve God's grace, but he gives it to you anyway because he wants you to have the power to say no to sin. He loves you so much that he's going to give you something that you don't deserve so that you have the power to say no to sin. You don't have to live like the world lives. You can live a righteous life. You, you're standing in that place of righteousness, but you can live a righteous life and you can pursue this thing called holiness. Holiness is not a bad word. It's gotten a bad rap. But to be holy is to be more like God. And when we come to Jesus, we have that power and that ability, that grace in us to say no to sin. That's it. Because he loves us so much. Always remember, never get to a place where you act like you deserve God's grace. There are some people that have, have tasted the grace of God and they become proud of it. I'm God's favorite. I, and, and, and what they're saying, maybe without saying, is I deserve the grace of God. That's pride. And pride always goes before what? A fall. Always remember that you don't deserve the grace of God. That's what makes it His grace and His mercy working together, hand in hand, to give you what you don't deserve so that you can do what you could never do without it. God's grace gives you the ability to say no to sin. Right? Look at Romans 5.17. The New Living Translation again. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. See, again, when God gives you a gift, you cannot earn it. You cannot earn it. You can't try to earn God's grace. You can't try to earn His righteousness. It is His gift to you. He wants to give it to you. All those that receive God's wonderful gift of grace and His gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Christ Jesus. <laughs> That's powerful. That is huge in your life. As you submit to God, as you present your body a living sacrifice, as you, as you, this year in 2018, you need to set your mind that the things that have been hindering you and, 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 and dominating you, maybe it's a weight problem that you just, you've been dealing with and dealing with and dealing with and in your mind, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to be this fat for the rest of my life. Listen, my, my, the genes in my family if I ate what I wanted to eat, I, I would, there, there would be no, uh, anyway, there would be no help. And so I have to, 
I have, it is hard to walk past all of the goodies and hear him, and hear them screaming my name. Hey, eat me. (laughs) Hey, over here. (laughs) I'm calling you. I'm telling you, I'm just being real honest with you guys. But I got a revelation and an understanding that my wife and my daughter need me. They need me to be healthy. And so I get on that machine at the gym and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. That's putting my flesh under. It's telling, it's telling my flesh, no, 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 no. We are going to get on this thing. We're going to work it out. We're going to do this thing. I have to do that. It is not easy. It is not joyful, right? Discipline is hard for a season, but the end of it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness, right? So all of us have to say no to those things that our flesh likes. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, for God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. So the purpose of Jesus becoming sin is so that we could become the righteousness of God. And you have to see your sinfulness being placed on Jesus when he was put upon the cross. And then his power, the power of his resurrection... Then when he was placed in the tomb and he was resurrected by the Spirit of God, that same resurrecting power, that same resurrecting Spirit is is in us to give us power over those things that come against us. Right? Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, we've been made righteous to walk in a right way before God. And we've also been made holy so that we can walk and live in holiness. It's it's not impossible to walk in a holy way before God. But it has to come through the the resurrection power of Jesus that lives on the inside of you. You can't do it by yourself. But God has given you the power. He's not given us a spirit of uh, uh, fear, but he gave us a spirit of love and of what? Power and of a sound mind. And so we use that spirit of power that he's given us to say yes to him and no to sin. Point number two, believe the truth instead of the lies. The strongholds in our mind fill our heart, fill our mind with hopelessness, which causes us to accept the situation as as unchangeable. Like, and, and, you know, if you're you're having a situation with uh, an addiction and you think, you know, that's just the way I am, people will, in their mind, they will... They will say yes to that hopelessness to the point where they even believe that God made them that way. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. You've got to stop believing the lie and start believing the truth. Here's the truth in John 8. John chapter 8, verse 31, the New International Version. Jesus said this to the Jews who, who believed him. If you hold to my teaching... 
then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my truth, then you will be my my disciples. Holding to the truth is a prerequisite for being set free. A lot of people misquote that scripture, and they say, you know, uh, he who, or, 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 You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But that's not the total uh, scripture there. Jesus said, if you hold on to the truth. In other words, if you, if you take my truth, you hold on to it, and you walk and live by my truth, then you're going to be my disciples. And because you're my disciples, that truth that you hold to and walk in is going to set you free. It'll set you free from every addiction. It'll set you free from anger. People can be addicted to anger. You know, anger produces things in, in your uh, soul, in your mind, will, and emotions, that anger. I mean, you can be so angry that you like to make other people angry. And that makes you feel important, feel strong. I've got power over you. I can make you angry. I can punch, punch your buttons, and it, it does something for you. But the truth of God's Word can set you free from that. God didn't call us to be filled with anger. He called us to take control over that and say, no, I'm submitting to God. I'm submitting to his word. I say yes to the spirit of God so I can say no to my flesh. No to my flesh. That's what he wants us to do, to to say no to our flesh. Right? Romans, uh, the the 12.1 and 2 there that we read at the beginning of of the message Part of that says that we would renew our mind with the word, that, that we renew. Let, let's just read that again. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Notice right there in the middle, at the very beginning of cha- uh, verse 2, the word And. So it's one thing to present your body a living sacrifice before God. It's a whole other thing on this other side over here to not be conformed to the world, but to renew our mind with the Word. The only way that we're going to prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is to submit ourselves to God. I'll just do a demonstration here. I'm submitting, submitting myself to God. I'm presenting my body, my spirit, my soul, and my body to God, a living sacrifice but that's not, that's not where it ends. I have to take his word, and while I'm still submitted and committed to his will, I have to renew my mind. I have to study to show myself approved unto God. Right? A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Using this, this word to say no. I'm saying yes to Jesus and no to sin. No to the lies. No to the addictions. No to the strongholds. And no matter what you're struggling with right now, when you believe the truth of God's Word and you hold to it and you live by it and you renew your mind daily to it, I'm telling you, within a short amount of time, it depends on how much you apply yourself, within a short amount of time you can be set free from anything. Anything. I've seen it happen. Time after time after time. So it doesn't matter what you're struggling with today. Take hold of the Word. 
Believe the truth. Point number three, understand the process of dying to yourself. This is a big one. This is where people want to check out. Oh, pastor, I I like what you're saying up to this point. (laughs) But uh, dying to self, dying to self, what does that mean? Well, here we go. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Romans 6, 1 says, well then, should... Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? No, (laughs) of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father... Now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. Everybody say, I'm not a slave to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Say, I'm set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. See, the resurrection power of Christ lives in us. And when we acknowledge that, we're inviting his grace and his strength and his power in our lives to a higher degree so that we can say no to those things that have been, we've been struggling with. Right? It's all about His grace, His power, His mercy operating in our life. But we have to surrender. We have to surrender. We are sure of this. Verse 9 says we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. So death no longer has any power over him. If you're in Christ, listen, if you're in Christ, death has no power over you. Because we know where we're going and who we belong to, we don't have to fear death. The fear of death has been defeated. Verse 9 says, we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again and death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. Christ's death broke the power of sin. So if we're living in a, in a place where we have died to ourself and we've experienced this suffering that Christ experienced. Nobody likes that word either, too. I'm, I'm looking at people's faces like, did he just say what I thought he said? Suffering. Here, here, here's the definition of suffering. Okay? I'm not telling you that God's going to break your leg and make you suffer to try to teach you a lesson. That is not suffering. Suffering is when my flesh is crying out for the Snickers bar when I'm at... Uh, Kroger in the line, and all the whole box of Snickers bars are saying, Hey, Bruce, I got you. And I'm looking down there, and then, you know, then the, the box of uh, Milky Way starts singing a, a harmony with the Snickers. 
<laughs> and then the baby Ruths join in. And the suffering is no. No. Get back. No. <laughs> no. That's the suffering. Has anybody else experienced that? <laughs> How many times do you experience that? That's the suffering. Jesus had to say no to the flesh. You remember in the garden, he said, Father, if there's any other way that we can do this, please let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God's will is that I have a healthy body that I can fit into my clothes and I don't have to go out and buy more clothes. And listen, I'm just doing it. I'll just be real honest with you guys. I, I, I tell myself, I look at a picture from, from when I graduated high school and I wore a 32-inch waist. I said, son, I, I take, I jerk myself by my ear and say, you can look that, like that right now at 54. Right. If you will do what it takes to do that. There is no reason why you can't look like that man in that picture because that man is you. And that's suffering. That's suffering. That's the suffering. I'm getting a lot of weird looks now. Okay. Where were we? <laughs> so... Death no longer has any power over Jesus because when he died, he, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. When you identify with Jesus, you say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours will, your, your will be done. Matthew 16 and verse 24 in the New International Version, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. See, it's not about what I want to do or what I don't want to do. It's about what does God want me to do? How does he want me to live my life in this area, in this area of of consecrating and separating myself, and, myself and, and, and giving myself to him. And then the last part of that verse says, whoever loses their life for me will find it. So anything you give up for God, he's going to bless you with even more than you can ever imagine. Whatever you think you're having to give up is nothing compared to what he has waiting for you. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. Philippians 3, 9. The New International Version says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And ultimately, Christ had to deny his flesh in order to die. He had to give up his will to the will of the Father. 
and say, Father, not my will, but your will. And that is the suffering. That is the death that we crucify our flesh with. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, New International Version. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that is what he's going to reap. This is that important scripture that your mother and your grandmother used on you when you was a little kid. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to get. Now, people can use that in a bad sense, right? And point their finger and, you know, use it in a heart. But listen, if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. If you sow to the Spirit, if you, if you feed your Spirit, you're going to have power over your flesh. If you don't feed your spirit and you feed your flesh, then your flesh is going to have power over your spirit. That's how it works. That's what that verse is saying. Point four, learn to yield to God's grace. Learn to yield to God's grace. Romans 6.12. New Living Translation, Romans 6.12-14. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Again, grace is God's power and ability on us and in us to, to, to strengthen us to say no to sin. And you have to live under God's grace. You have to learn how to yield to His grace so that you can resist those things that have been causing death in your body. And grace is do, God doing for, for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God's, it's God's power released into our lives to help us overcome sin and live in victory. Romans 5.17, the New Living Translation says, for the, sin, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Christ Jesus. Romans 5.20 and 21 says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded how much more? Much, much more, much, much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're in Christ. We reign with Christ when we submit to him and his righteousness and his grace comes upon us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, this is the Lord talking to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me and in me. We've got to get to a place where we know more than anyone else that without Jesus we are nothing. And without him, we can do nothing. But through him, we can do everything that he asks us to do. 
And it's only through His grace that I'm even able to obey Him. He gives me the grace to say yes. That obedience is initiated by the word yes. I say yes to the Spirit so I can say no to the flesh. And that grace that He gives me allows me to say yes so that I can say no. 2 Corinthians 12.10, the New International Version. It says, That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm strong when I say yes to Jesus. I'm strong when I put him first, when I consecrate and dedicate myself, when I choose to give my spirit, my soul, and my body, knowing that his strength is the only thing that is sufficient for me to obey, to obey him. I want to obey him. I know you want to obey him. He has a marvelous, marvelous plan, plan for you this year in 2018. His plans for you are good. They're wonderful. They're awesome for you in 2018. But all of us have things that we need to leave behind. That's this whole series. I mean, this whole series has, has brought us to this point where we're going to receive communion now. We're going to commit to the Lord. It's no longer I that live like Paul says, but Christ that lives in me. I surrender. That song, just, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. So, Pastor Sheila, come and help us, and we're going to receive communion.